Welcome to the Addiction Connection podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw, and it is my honor to have Dr. William Hines, which I will call him Bill, uh, on (laughs) our podcast today. Hi, Bill. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very happy that we could do this today. <laughs> now, Bill is an author and an instructor. He's also the chairman of the board of directors for the Addiction Connection. So that means I work for Bill. So I better be on my best behavior here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bill is a multi talented guy, very bright. Every time I talk to Bill, I walk away thinking, about what I have learned, and and I've learned things just in conversations with Bill that have changed my life and um, and just you know put me on a different path, which a good path. Uh, almost every time I talk to you, Bill. So I, I look forward for to our podcast listeners to uh, hear from you today. Well, you're very you're very kind. I uh, uh, I appreciate that, and it's been a wonderful friendship here the last. I don't know, uh, five, six, seven years, uh, that we've been in more contact than ever before. And, uh, it's, it's really a, a blessing to be involved with helping people help those who are addicted. Uh, if I could real quick, my uh, connection with addiction is twofold. One is growing up with uh, a mother with a, an alcohol issue and, uh, that really came along right about the time I became a Christian. So I learned a lot about prayer when I would just lay awake at night and just ask God to make her stop complaining and make her stop drinking and just learning how to love her in spite of, uh, of her, her problems and what I felt like she was doing to my dad and to our family. And she was very loving when she was dry but uh, she had this issue that uh, it took her a very long time to let go of. The other side of it is that uh, I have migraine headaches, and what goes along with that sometimes are medications uh, that uh, are very can be very strong. As I guess a real addict would would say, I'm on baby stuff. But to me and the doctor, it's uh, it's real stuff. It's prescription medicine, and so I see the doctor. Uh, almost every month uh, just to keep me on on the right path and be sure that I don't uh, overdo it with any kind of medication. And I have found that to be invaluable. My, my doctor and I now are friends and we know each other pr- pretty well now. And uh, just having somebody that understands uh, those kinds of things and understands my desire to not be controlled by these things has just really been helpful and I say that, of course, to help others uh, find someone that they can talk to, that they can be completely honest with, that they can't uh, pull the wool over their eyes, but they can really help deal with uh, the issues that they face. Amen. Well, I think it's important for people to know that uh, you understand addiction from a from a these personal uh, experiences and encounters with those who struggle with addiction. So you've seen the damage and you know uh, the heartbreak. And and one of your books that I love and I think just fits so well with what we're doing with the Addiction Connection 
is uh, leaving yesterday behind. Tell our listeners a little bit about how that book, how, how that book came to be, and and why it's just such an awesome book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate this. I I wrote that book. Uh, I worked on it every night from about uh, ten in the evening until five in the morning. Uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas of about, I think it was 1996. So that book's been around a while. It's it's been updated and and it's in its fifth or sixth printing now. But I wrote that during a time when my mother was uh, was dying. Uh, she was at the end of her life and also just going through the the personal trials of uh, raising uh, five kids and. And uh, working things out with my wife uh, in those uh, in those years as well, just the the typical things that husbands and wives go through. Um, and so many of the things in the book are just are very practical to me because I was living them at the time. One of the things, of course, that I was uh, struggling with was uh, knowing that it was wrong to blame my my mother's uh, alcohol issues or to blame anything from my past. When I looked at uh, the first time I looked at in, into Exodus at the Ten Commandments and I was told that the sins of the fathers will be visited on the children, the third and fourth generations, of course that gets your attention. And uh, so I'm trying to think, okay, am I cursed? What's the deal? But then the verse goes on to say, but the righteousness of the fathers to a thousand generations. And that right there told me that God was really in the, in the business much more of blessing than cursing. But it's important to take what we grew up with and not let that continue. I also found in those years Ezekiel 18. And Ezekiel 18 is a long uh, treaties on who gets blamed for a person's sin. And I would just direct the listeners to verses 19 and 20 of Ezekiel 18. And I won't read those right now, except to say that it asks the question, basically, who gets blamed for my sin? And it ends up saying the person who sins is the one to blame. That if the father is a sinner and the son is righteous, the son is not blamed for the father's sin. It also says, in effect, that if the father is righteous, but the son is a sinner, he doesn't get credit for the father's righteousness. Each person's sin is his own. And it even says that the person who sins will die, not the anybody that came before them. And that connected with something else I had seen through the years, which was when I was a youth minister, I would often talk to young men who were just really afraid that they had to turn out to be like their fathers. Some would even quote the uh, the passage from the Ten Commandments saying, you know, that uh, I, I'm cursed because of my father and he's such a bad guy and and I have to act just like him. At the time, psychology was saying that if you're abused, you will be an abuser. If, if your parent was this way, you will uh, follow in kind. 
And I knew that wasn't right. And as I came to scripture, I knew that there's always this way to break the cycle. And so leaving yesterday behind starts with what is the problem? And then it goes to what is the promise of scripture? What is the process that we're given in scripture? And then what is the purpose for life? Why do we go through all the trouble of changing? And of course, that ends with the great commandment because we are called on to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It was interesting. I found an old comic strip in uh, that is, is in front of my uh, first chapter, and it's Pogo. This was a, kind of a World War II up through the 70s comic strip, and Pogo and his friend are talking about uh, how their feet are not suited to this dense forest and it's hurting their feet and so they're sort of thinking what is the problem and pogo makes the statement we have met the enemy and he is us Mm. and you know that just really clicked with uh romans 323 that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of god i don't have to look to my mother or my father or my grandparents or even Adam, to think about what is my problem. I I need only look at myself and realize there's where the problem is in my own heart. I need to address that. Amen. And, you know, uh, leaving yesterday behind, dealing with an addict's past, and both as a sufferer and as a sinner, uh, is, is just important for people to grasp when we're training counselors. We want them to treat sufferers like sufferers and not like sinners. And we want to treat sinners like sinners and not like sufferers. I mean, when you get those mixed up, it can really be a problem, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Well, and, and if I could real quick interject that the good news is that we are sinners. We're not people with a disease, uh, you know, regarding our, whether it's uh, addiction to alcohol or pornography or just our daily sinful problems. We are not people that are diseased. We are sinners. And the reason that's good news is because Jesus died for that and gives us a way to overcome. Amen. There's a way out through Christ. Amen. Well, and, and then you have a book, Curing the Heart, that is good for all kinds of problems, and it gives people really a framework to work uh, through how, how does counseling happen and what are the elements necessary. And I know you did that one with uh, Dr. Howard Irick, who is my mentor and has been a mentor to you. Um, tell us a little bit about Curing the Heart. Well, again, very happy to do so, and I, I appreciate you mentioning these books. The um, When I came up with the idea of curing the heart, I was looking at a bunch of uh, the teaching notes that Dr. Eirich used through, through the years. Uh, he was a mentor to me in terms of biblical counseling, and I just thought, we need to get this in print. And so I looked at what I had to add to the book. So I added all my stuff. I took his stuff and we added that. And we both then worked on it. Uh, sort of the process that you and I have gone through before uh, on, on a book or two. And, um, and just came up with the idea of 
I counsel with the Bible, and it, it's a primer in that it is very much an introduction. I'm not trying to defend biblical counseling against all the other counseling philosophies out there. I'm simply trying, I say I, but we are simply trying to say, this is what we do, and this is why we do it. And so we start off with the idea that we need a biblical approach. So many people, uh, if I can put it this way, well, I will, (laughs) uh, take psychology as science. They take psychology on the same level as they would, say, neurology. And neurology is the study of the brain, you know, they, and, and all the system that works the brain. And they go in and they look at things. And if you have a particular problem, often they can find exactly in the brain what is causing that problem. And often they can fix it. Psych- psychology and psychiatry is something different. And as you look at psychiatry through the years, uh, it has changed a lot. Uh, a lot of the philosophies and all have changed, and, and people will argue for their position, of course. But we just need to understand that their positions have changed through the years. Well, when we come to the Bible, the Bible has been uh, uh, the same throughout all these years with the same unchangeable God who gives us answers. And so in the Bible, we find that we need a biblical approach, a decidedly biblical approach. In fact, in fact, 1 Corinthians 2 lets us know that the natural man or the man who does not know Christ, and I would add just for those people take a little bit different view on some of these things, but for those who, who do believe that somebody can be a Christian barely, without it actually changing their lives. And I would group them into this natural man category that they can't think like a Christian. The Christian has the spirit and the spirit working in them. And so the Bible is is telling us we need to do evangelism with those who either aren't Christians or have not walked with Christ in a very long time. We need to do good evangelism, getting them following Christ so that they can even understand the things of Scripture. And once we get there, well, then they can begin to see the Bible illumine their problems and speak directly to their problems and speak directly to the answer to their problems. And so we talk about that in this book, you know, why a biblical approach? Uh, We point out several passages of Scripture that are just instrumental in understanding how we use the Bible in counseling. We talk about uh, in one counseling, in, in one section, that we need theologians. And the theologian, I don't mean somebody who has a Ph.D. in systematic theology from a big seminary, I mean somebody who studies God and studies his word well enough to have a good sense of who God is and what God is willing to do. We want somebody that has the character of a counselor. You know, remember, as I was talking about First Corinthians 2, it works for all of us that as we are in fellowship with the Spirit, we understand the Spirit better. If we're going to help other people, we need to be walking with the Lord in such a way so as to help them. And we we do get to 
uh, our definition uh, for biblical counseling, and it's all based on the word admonish, used a couple of times in Colossians. And the the brief little handle I give as a definition is admonish means to warn, to stimulate, and to encourage. And as we're working with people, we need to warn them about the dire consequences of ignoring God and and ignoring this issue in their lives. We need to stimulate them, which means to stir them up. Uh, I think of the agitator in a washing machine. You know, you put all your clothes in, fills up with water, and this thing starts whisking all the clothes around. It agitates the clothes to knock the dirt out. Well, we need to let the Word of God agitate us as it knocks the dirt loose so that we become clean, if you will. And then that last word, to encourage, means exactly what it means, to encourage people that God has the answers, that as we follow and as we live the promises of God, we will leave those things behind that are such a problem, and we will bring glory to Him. Amen. Yes. Well, what a thrill to be involved in helping addicts by helping to train the people and the churches that are going to be hands-on with the addicted and to instill this message of hope. Uh, I, I'm grateful you're on the team. What are some of the... the um, Burdens, not burdens, but um, well, the things that are on your heart, heavy on your heart, with TAC, with the addiction connection. What are some things you want to see? You're you're our leader in a, in uh, as a chairman of the board of directors. In in so, what are some things you you want to see TAC do? Uh, just just little things uh, down the road. Well, I really appreciate that question. One thing is, we need to get our people in churches to talk about this. And we have several ways of doing it. We have the big full-blown seminar that's, you know, three days over three long weekends. Um, In other words, you know, nine or 10 days altogether where we're training and we're digging in and people are coming out really with uh, what they need to pursue commissioning, what we call commissioning, others might call it certification, but commissioning as an addiction counselor. But before all that, we need to come in and teach a Sunday school to perhaps preach on a Sunday morning to lead a Wednesday night prayer group on just what it is that we're doing and how biblical counseling has the answers. We don't have to go out to professionals. We don't have to go out and pay tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes a week or a month, to put somebody in rehab that often has a very high recidivism rate. In other words, people that go through those programs often end up right back in the program to do it again. Now, certainly we have people in the programs we might suggest that go away and realize this is harder than I thought, and they go back for help. So I don't, I don't want to obscure that at all. And we welcome those people to be honest with their, their struggles. But with biblical counseling, we know that we have the answer uh, because the well, as your book uh, says, your your first book says uh, 
the Bible speaks to the heart of addiction. And as we know from what Jesus talked about, everything flows from the heart. And we want to help people realize that, yes, even my problem with pornography, with gambling, with cutting, with alcohol, with cocaine, all those things flow from uh, what we might call needs in the heart, but needs that are being wrongly addressed by uh, these substances or these activities, because our real need is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And I would add to that from Matthew 6, that our real need is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to walk with God, and as we do, we will be be able to overcome these things. But we need to get into the churches uh, and some of the parachurch organizations to help them understand what it is that we have to offer. So anybody listening that thinks, hey, it might be good to have one of these people come and, and visit with our church and share, uh, please uh, give the office a call, and we will set up somebody to come uh, and and uh, to do those things, um, and we will be very excited to do that for your church. Yeah, the, the... One of the the addiction connection, one of the reasons I, I pick, picked the word connection was to try to connect people, obviously, to, to Christ, but also to the body of Christ, to the local church. And um, I know you're a local church guy, as am I, that we want to see local churches using the sufficient Word of God to help those who are uh, struggling in lots of ways. And we know we depend upon the Holy Spirit to do that. Well, thank you, Bill. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill, for being on the, the program today, the podcast. I forget it's not a program. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still new at this. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and and uh, if people want to follow you, I know they can follow you on Twitter. There's Bill Hines 12 is your handle, all lowercase. And then Covenant Ministries is the name of your ministry. They can get your books. They can find you. I put one of your um, podcast interviews that you did with Tyrell down in South Africa when we were down there. Uh, mm. I, put, I put that on the Addiction Connection Facebook page so people can listen to those interviews. There's two parts there. Um, and so you are a guy who is uh, teaching and doing a great job with all that. And, and I'm just glad to call you a friend and love writing with you. And we've got to get back doing that. I've been away from writing for a long time, so I'm kind of eager to get back into it. And uh, and I love doing it with you um, where we can, you know, just iron sharpens iron. We have a booklet together called The Pursuit of Perfection. And it's about how perfectionism is really a problem not a good thing, but how um, we can learn to uh, battle that and think differently about that. We all want to do things with excellence, so we're not saying um, that people can't do things well, but we are talking Amen. about, you know, we don't want people to do to think that they have to be perfect because only Christ is perfect and to rest. That's just the message of that booklet. I love that little booklet. And then the Paul the Counselor book we wrote together, we were editors in that book with 23 different authors, and that was a monster 
project that we finished <laughs> up, um, but I but I love that book too. I mean, just a lot of practical help for anybody in any church anywhere dealing with any kind of thing. It, it's a good a treatise on how would Paul think about anxiety? How would Paul deal with this particular issue or that issue? And I, I just that was your idea. That was a great idea, and glad we could work on that together. And then leaving yesterday behind, as we mentioned, and curing the heart. Both are great books uh, for our listeners to grab and read. You can read Leaving Yesterday Behind in in a weekend. I mean, it's a quick read, but it is uh, chocked full of wisdom from God's Word that helps people who are stuck in the past. And I appreciate you referencing Ezekiel 18, you know, that um, that it is us. the Verse 20, the soul who sins shall die. It is technically on us. It's not. We can't blame our parents. We can't blame other people. It's us that God's going to hold accountable. And so we want to help people to know that. And I think the message of addiction as a disease is a wrong message in that it's pointing people away from their own heart desires and their own need for the forgiveness of Christ. And so appreciate your work because it points people to Christ. Um, and any parting words you'd like to share? Bill? Well, I will say, no doubt we have people listening who have been gravely hurt by other people. And one of the things I say in Leaving You Say Behind is that, that I may not be responsible for what was done to me, but I am responsible to respond to that in a biblical way. God will give us a way out. And even if the people that, that hurt us were evil, terrible people, God will deal with them. What we need to deal with is our response to them. And God just has a way of giving us a redemptive attitude where we can press on, leave those people with the Lord, and enjoy the fruit of following uh, in the steps of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, Bill, for being on the podcast. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Tune in next time where we talk about the hope of the gospel for the heart of addiction on the Addiction Connection podcast. Take care.